everybody. Welcome to Thriving Marriage, and it's just Mark here. I am recording a quick introduction to a—we're uh, we're, going to post a recording of the Q&A that Bethany and I did last week live in Thrive, and so we actually took about an hour of questions and offered our best answers based on biblical principles and wisdom. And so I, I've split that recording into two segments, and so we'll post one this week and the other one next week. And so this episode and the next are from the Q&A from Thrive last week, and we hope you enjoy it and we hope it's beneficial as these are uh, just really practical questions that are relevant and they're on the forefront of people's minds as you know the opportunity presents itself to ask a question. These are the things that you came up with, and so... Uh, we hope that this is uh, this is helpful for you. Enjoy. Are you ready? Yeah. Are the answers to the questions on Bethany's cell phone, and that's why she needed it? Yeah. Yes. All pre-planned answers for All any right. marriage topic. Our first plant, I mean, our first question of the evening. It's come from Adam. Okay, in light of the conversation we had last week about roles in the marriage, right? Wife, husbands. What should it look like in a marriage when the wife is the primary breadwinner? So the, the roles remain the same in terms of the husband is called to lead. So there's no condition placed on that in Genesis 1 or 2 or even in the New Testament. The husband's to lead if this or that condition. It's just kind of a creational order and... Uh, confirmed in in the New Testament uh, with the structure of the marriage. So the the roles remain the same in terms of husbands are called to lead and wives are called to support and help their husbands. Now, money is a piece to that puzzle, but it's it, it's it's not a determiner of um, who is ultimately responsible before God in terms of making um, best decisions on behalf of the family, being the one to make a final call in terms of um, sacrificing for the rest of the family and such. So I think that's, that's an interesting um, challenge that I think that particular couple is going to just going to have to be strategic to make sure that they're maintaining the leadership structure that's called for in the Bible. So... Uh, extra intentionality to make that happen. Yeah, because I mean, like, what if the wife is the funnier one? You know, like our case. Mm. It's like <laughs> that's then all I, I have to add to let that you question. Sell the that was jokes. brilliant. <laughs> I, I was just thinking there could be a lot of special circumstances where the wife could be more talented in one area, or right, or like what, like wit and humor, <laughs> or just general just awesomeness, right? And then, <laughs> no, and I'm saying that God made us with strengths and weaknesses. And so when we, we see in each other that some of my strengths are some of more your weaknesses, his strengths are definitely my weaknesses. And so in a marriage, even though you're leading our marriage, you, you just try to, you're still guiding my strengths, you know, and, and making sure it's helpful for our relationship, for our home, for our family, for our church. Just because I might be good at something, it doesn't mean, or, or doing something well or whatever, it doesn't mean that now all of a sudden I'm the, you know, expert or I have to go do everything or I, you know, you have to come to me to, to talk about that. So I just, I think that that 
could be the case in other areas of, of life as well, but you answered it really well. I should have just said nothing. <laughs> Do you have any funny comments or anything to no, follow that up? No, okay. I, I came out with just, a bang. Just checking. And I could just... I want to leave room for humor and creativity <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. So... Uh. I will say, no one makes you laugh in our home more than you. That is true. That is true. Bethany cracks herself up all the time I, at our house. Well, if you're funny, you should laugh. Like, if you say something funny and no one else is laughing, you gotta, I just laugh. Someone's got to start Someone's got to laugh. Yeah, someone's so. got to do it. So. And sometimes you laugh just because I'm laughing at what I thought was funny. So it, it works. So... There you go. <laughs> Truth. It's good. It's good. I, yeah. All right. Question from our group is, how do you, or can you share with us some principles on how you prioritize activities in the family, especially choosing between better and best? Anything, anything general on how you make those decisions? Yeah. Activities like, 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 Birthday parties. Schedule? And, yeah, ske scheduling like Schedule a, kids' okay. birthday parties and, and sports activities and, and music. Or, yeah, and, okay. Exactly. Okay. Yep. All right the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I like that you added in your question choosing between better and best because I think that's often what, what we're doing. It's rare that, you know, your family is faced with a dilemma in terms of the schedule between right and wrong. I mean, certainly, I, I think that does happen, absolutely, but... Often, we're trying to navigate with wisdom. What's the best way to spend our time? What's the best thing to put on the schedule? And all of it has ramifications. If we put this thing on the schedules, you know, soccer for the next year, that's going to mean every Saturday we're doing this thing or whatever it may be. So there's ramifications. And, um, and so you got to weigh through those. And I, what were we talking about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I was thinking of a sermon, a sermon that I recently heard, and it was, it was elsewhere about the will of God and um, making decisions that are in line with the will of God. And I, don't, I can't remember the last time I've talked about it in here, but I, I think the will of God, there, there's a, will, it's a circle. There, there's a, a big, maybe, um, there's space in the will of God. It's um, not necessarily one specific thing that you need to choose for your family, there's space and there's multiple spots within that space. And so you need to fill that. And um, so all of it to say, I like the way you asked the question. Uh, what's, what would you say is the answer? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I think for us, we've, we've done it better and we've done it, you know, we've grown, but we, we like to, to figure out what we can handle. I think you got to start there. Um, can we handle all four kids doing a single sport uh, on top of what we already need to put in? So it's like we, we start with the church. We start with Awana, Thrive. Like we put all the stuff on our ministry calendar that we want to be at. And then it's like, what, what would be wise for us to handle? Would it be wise for all four children to be in a sport? What if one, one time we, we had three kids doing soccer and they had soccer, three soccer games every Saturday. And I remember saying, I can't do that again. I can't do that, you know. And so we, we've learned maybe by doing it wrong and, and then reassessing, but it's like, we'll have these discussions and say, do you think we could handle 
all the kids doing the music. Yes, does that fit in? Where does that fit in? How does the practice look? So when we add it, we often reassess. And sometimes it's me just coming to him and saying, I think it's too much. I'm overwhelmed. Um, or how can you step in in this area because you know, that one kid and I are not doing well when it comes to piano practice. I mean, they've cried every day now for like two months, you know, or whatever. Do, do we drop piano? Do we say, you've got to work through it, um, which is what we did. You know, do you say that kid, you go do piano and then it's your relationship. So we are constantly kind of talking about it and reassessing. And with four children, they all want to do a sport. We're making them all do piano. <laughs> yeah, so that's, we chose that. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that's kind of on our plate. We have Awana, you know. So, and then we reassess and we look at the, the month to month. I think the monthly calendar thing is huge for us too. Because we'll put it up on display before and we'll sit down and have a discussion about what's coming and then how much more should we add. So we just put the December calendar up. And it's like, okay, how much space is there for additional items for what's already on, needs to be on here? And I used to just throw everything in and then go, oh my goodness, we have something every night, you know? And it just kind of, I, I wasn't aware. So practically, those are some things. That's great. And then I think too, you have to maybe evaluate from kid to kid or from personality to personality. For example, we have one kid. If I could have him in like running seven days a week, I would do it. The house is more peaceful when, when he gets exercise in the day. And so like literally this year, his schedule is fuller than it's ever been. And our house is a little more peaceful than it's ever been. Because when, when, when he's sitting around not at sports practice, he's like, what can I do? Oh, I know. I'll annoy my sibling, right? And, um, and so like anyway, with him, we're loading the schedule. And it, that's disproportionate from another kid who has different issues. <laughs> who does everything right? really slow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. so that, that's maybe one practical thing. And then another thing is perhaps just thinking about it more big picture. Um, and this is maybe a good thing to do in January or kind of after on a summer vacation as you're kind of like evaluating and thinking about the next season or whatever. But it's good maybe to, to think through to build from essentials on. Uh, what I mean is like talk about your month or your week, typical week, and put in the non-negotiable pieces that need to be there. We're going to be at church on Sunday. Um, we're going to be at Thrive on Thursday. It's national holiday, National Thrive Day. Um, we're going to, uh, because we want to, we want to be in a, in a small group setting. Um, we, we're going to have, you know, X amount of family dinners together where we're sitting around the table, we're talking to each other, we're spending time with each other. Um, and we're going to have a family devotions every day or five days a week. And you put those down and then see what's left. And maybe it's just with the, you know, essentials or the most important pieces. Maybe the schedule is pretty full. We'll try that for the month. And then if you can add one more thing, add one more thing rather than just loading it, which is, you know, as you shared, one thing that we've done is load it and then like, ah, it's too much and pull back. But um, I think that, uh, that that's, that's one way to take it. I want to say one more thing too. You know, I think different personalities can handle more too. So I think it's tempting to look, and I've been recently was asked, I don't know how you do it. 
how do you do it all? And I'm like, I don't really know what that meant, but the person was saying, how do you have church and this and all of that stuff? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I, I didn't know how to answer it, but I was thinking, I can look at somebody else and think, I don't know how she does it. She seems to have such a full schedule. You know, we don't know what's going on. So it's really hard to compare. So be careful not to compare. We don't know if that person has a lot of help with grandma and grandpa. You know, they got five days a week help. And so whatever, they can do more. We don't know. I don't, I don't know if they have money to pay for house cleaner and a this and a that. I mean, we, don't, we just don't know. So it's hard to compare and feel like I have to keep up. And I think sometimes we try to look laterally and that's not helpful. Yeah, and if your schedule's so full that the essentials are getting choked out, then it's time to make a change, you know? Build in those important things and, uh, and then go from there. Yeah? Check, check. All right, next question. <clears throat> okay, thanks for doing this. We appreciate that. Um, can you tell me some practical, everyday things um, that we can do to honor our spouses? It's great, great question. Um, Bethany, you're the super practical person and you do a great job of honoring your spouse. What do you think? I, I, the first thing I thought of was what you just did, actually. I think a super practical thing is I try to say really nice, complimentary things to his face uh, every day. And so, I mean, sometimes we forget because we think it or we're so used to it or after almost 16 years, doesn't he know I'm so thankful he goes to work every day? You know, he's been doing it our whole marriage. No, I, I think we can fall into that trap. And so I try to say something more than just I love you, which is, I think, very important too. But like, I really appreciate that you did this, even when it's small. Like, I just am so thankful that you just did that with the kids. Like, that, you're such a good dad, and I appreciate that. You know? And I think that's really honoring. We've talked about this before, and it um, affirms them. It encourages them. It's way easier to pick out the things you don't like. And so if you're practiced in saying something that you love each day that you're thankful for, it helps you to honor them. I think that's great. And it's just a great question, and it's a good thing to be thinking about. And I think you know, to your points that if, if we're not proactive in thinking about this, then we might just inadvertently not do it. But it is something that we should do and we should be strategic about it. So I think saying a, a compliment or a thank you or whatever to your, your spouse's face, that's great. And that, that's essentially what you just said, right? Say it to your face. Um, so maybe to put a little pepper on that, you say something nice about your spouse to someone else and uh, in their presence or not in their presence. And that's like another major way to honor them. And so often what Bethany will do is she'll, she'll say something nice to me. That's great. Other times she'll compliment me to the kids. And I'm like sitting right there. I'm like, hey, I can hear you, you know? But she's like, isn't dad so great because of whatever? And the kids are like, oh, yeah, you know? Um, and then they say, I'm, I need a snack, yeah. you know, right after. Yeah. It was really meaningful yeah. for them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that, that's really powerful, too, because it's, um, it's indirect. And for some reason, that maybe at times can feel more powerful. Maybe there's some, 
psychological reason behind that that someone could speak to, but I think that uh, that's a really good thing. And it's not just in front of the kids, but it could be like out on the patio at church or, you know, uh, when I'm not even there. And I'll find out a month later from one of you, like, oh, Bethany told me this the other day, you know, and I didn't even know that she did that. And I found out a month later that a month ago she was honoring me. That's really, that was, that's really encouraging, you know? So those indirect ways are, are really good too. I think praying for them too and their schedule and their life. Um, sometimes, I, I just think if you're not praying for your spouse and you want to honor them, do start, set a timer, two minutes. Look up their schedule too if you share a schedule because I'll be like, oh, you have that thing coming or have that meeting go. And that's really honoring too, I, I think, because I, I'm caring beyond just how was your day at work. You know, it's like there's, there, it was on my mind in details. One other thing, practically, I was like, I have one more thing. Um, I try to talk, I try to say that dad and I are a team and, and I try to say a lot that he is the leader out loud. Because sometimes I need to remind myself that. <laughs> He's the leader. No, I'm just kidding. I don't say it like that. I don't say it like that. <laughs> I mean, I know that I've never said it like that. But what I say is, you know, like I'll say in our household, well, like when a kid's trying to pit me against him or whatever. Well, dad and I are a team. And dad's the leader. Let's go to talk to dad. What did dad say? Like, let's go in- involve him. And I think that's really honoring because I can answer quickly, I can make a decision, and not that I never answer quickly or make a decision, but I say it often enough as a reminder to myself and as a reminder to our children and other people that are around, uh, a mother or a mother-in-law that's trying to push one direction. Well, you know what, my husband and I have talked about it, and you know, he's, he's a leader, we're a team, we're unified, you know, that type of stuff, so. It's a really good thing you have yourself for humor and for <laughs> reminders. That's nice. He's, you're the leader. Yeah. Um, you are. <laughs> what would you do without yourself, you know? I mean. It'd be rough. It'd be yeah, tough. Man. Yeah. Be <laughs> so, and, and another thing maybe is everything we just described as verbal communication, right? I think there's a lot of, <laughs> someone's whistling nonverbal communication. I wasn't thinking about Whoa. it that way. but Whoa, sweetie. But <laughs> now that you whistle, that's another dimension to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about nonverbal communication in the sense of like when she's talking to me, like if I can set my phone down and like direct Please. my attention yes. to her. I think, I think that nonverbal communication goes a long way. The eye contact, the phone. If I was on it and she's asking me questions or something, it's like I need to like set it down and show her she's got my full attention. And I think not doing that shows the opposite. Yeah. You know? yeah, that's really good. Yeah, good. There's more there. I think that's just always a good thing to explore. Yeah. Got a question over here. Um, How would you approach the the issue of if one spouse wants more children and the other does not? We have (laughs) approached that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, like our number four. I was like, oh, three, yay, that feels so great, three. And because we had three, we had a three-year-old and a 19-month-old and then a baby, right? So it was like, I felt like, you know, it was just just hard. It was just a hard stage of life, I think, that those young years. Um, 
And then Mark was like, yeah, but we're not done. I'm like, oh, really? Uh, which we had talked about this before. This was not a surprise. And I knew he wanted four. And I had always said three or four. So I was not close the door. But we, um, I mean, I, ha- I, I prayed a lot. So because my reason, and it's not, it doesn't sound like very godly, but I'll, I'll say it out loud. My reason was, was for that first, that first year, that baby stage year is really hard for me. I don't, it's not my best year. My first few months, like postpartum, it just, I'm like a different person. And, and I, I just really didn't want to go through all of that and the nursing and the sleeping and all again. And we talked about it. And I just remember, you know, one of his points was, you know, you don't make a decision for another child based on a few months or a tough year. And I think that's a great point. Um, me, you know, I was thinking, I'm thinking short term. I mean, let me think about a lifetime of, of discipleship for this child. And he wanted another one. So it wasn't only that. Um, and I was not like, no, I just was like, ooh, I don't know. Um, and I, I prayed for, I don't know, months, you know, months. And then my heart changed to wanting another one. So then it was an easier conversation. It wasn't like that, but it, it did take a little bit of, of prayer for yeah. me to get there. That's good. I mean, I suppose it's like the, the way we should handle any issue that we, we, we don't see it the same way. Um, I mean, kids, that happens to be a really big issue. But regardless of what, what the issue is, ultimately, we, we want to get on the same page about it. And if that doesn't happen in one conversation, well, that means we need to have another conversation. And if it doesn't happen then, we need to have another. And we need to keep working at this until we're, gonna, until we're unified. We're on the same page about it. Um, we have listened really well to each other and really sought to understand what the other person's saying and why they're saying it and what they mean and, and, and all of this. And, and then we're able to come together and land on a decision, whether it's having another baby or, you know, selling a, a, a house or bu- buying a house or whatever the, the big decision is, um, it's, it's not going to be a good solution to force one, one thing or another uh, both ways. And so that's complicated because if there's two people who are adamantly convinced of their position, like, what do you do? And the first part of my answer was keep talking. And maybe that will work, but what do you do if it doesn't work? What if, what if you've been having conversations for three years and you're still, you, does, you, you don't agree? Fundamental disagreement. Like, what do you do then? That, that's tough. So um, do what Bethany said, pray, <laughs> right? I, I mean, I think that's an important piece to this, but... Um, I don't know of a really good or easy answer to that. Um, conversations, hashing it out, seeking to understand each other. And um, I think that's, that, th- those are the essential pieces. Yeah, we, you can get other people involved, I think, if needed. But we try to talk so much about it and understand each other's point of view and position and share and listen and together and ask good questions and if we're getting frustrated you know maybe wrap it up for the night come back to it or if it's like we're saying the same thing so it's like okay let's talk about it again let's both pray about it and let's come back let's talk about it in a few days you know 
we don't have to talk about it every moment if it's become a really heavy issue, but we, uh, we have seen ourselves come to unity in a lot of things that we might be on different sides or have different perspectives, so. Yeah, and when there is a total stalemate, I mean, God has, going back to the roles discussion, God, God has appointed a leader in the relationship, and that, that's the husband, and so ultimately, he's responsible for the decisions that are made, and he's going to stand before God for that. And um, so there is um, someone in, the, in this marriage relationship who has a final say and final decision-making uh, opportunity. But I will add to that, I mean, you just have to take that with the knowledge of at least the, the teaching from a couple of weeks ago where I talked about what leadership is. And Jesus demonstrated that for us in his life. He gave himself up for the church. So the husband's role is to lead and to be that final decision maker, but that comes with a whole lot of self-sacrifice, self-emptying for the betterment of your spouse and your family. So it's not just total license to do whatever you feel like whenever you want. So uh, I'll add that piece at the end.